It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Happy Monday. Sean here with another episode of Locked on Raptors to kick off your weekend. We have a win to talk about. The Raptors taking down the Wizards 102-90 to last night. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam and his return to form, along with the return to form of the Raptors defense. We'll run around the box score, hit on a few guys, a few takes on those who played in last night's game. And then we've got a first time due to the game winner getting on the board. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to episode number 1072 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December the 6th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, follow all the good stuff on your app of choice. Plus, you can also find the podcast on YouTube. So please consider throwing us a little subscribe over there on the YouTube channel. It's much appreciated and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day today's show is brought to you by prize picks check out prizepicks.com use the code nba or go to your app store and download the app today prize picks is daily fantasy made easy more on prize picks in a little bit All right, on today's show, as I mentioned in the cold open, 102-90, the Toronto Raptors take down the Washington Wizards last night at Scotiabank Arena, the fourth game of their seven-game homestand, I guess their fourth home game in their long stretch of 18 of 22 or whatever the hell it is playing in Toronto, and it seems like the home cooking has been good. It's been a nice salve for a weary Raptors team as they seem to be kind of gaining some momentum, gaining some form some chemistry, the stuff they have not really had uh, in large part this season, really since Pascal Siakam returned to the lineup uh, about, I guess, 13 games ago now is when Pascal returned. So it's been a bit of a tough stretch, obviously a long road trip in there and the home return practice, all that seems to be bearing out quite nicely for your Toronto Raptors. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam today. We're going to talk about just some various contributions from around the lineup, some uh, nice signs in terms of the defense as well, some good recent numbers. We'll get into all that, plus the dude to the game to close things out. But let's begin, shall we, with Pascal Siakam, who has been a topic of conversation a lot for your Toronto Raptors this season. He is, of course, uh, the highest paid player on the team. He is I think the most talented player on the team, I think Fred Van Vliet has been the team's best player this season, but he's also had the advantage of playing almost twice the games that Pascal has played. So hard to really compare apples to oranges in that case. But either way, 
Whatever way you slice it, Pascal Siakam is extremely important to the Toronto Raptors, and he's been playing quite well of late, as it turns out. Over his last eight games, he's up to 22 points, 7.5 boards, 3.3 assists, I believe, on a 57% true shooting. He has been very good, and last night was his crowning achievement of that stretch, I guess ever since that uh, 10 of 12 game against the Kings, right after the four-point embarrassment that he had, frankly, against the Utah Jazz. Ever since then, it's been looking good. This is probably his second-best game in that stretch, aside from that Kings game. He had 31 points, he had six boards, three assists, was a plus four for the team, Uh, 10 of 21 shooting, got to the line 12. 12 times, 10 of 12 from the line. You love to see that. He hit his only three that he took as well against the Wizards. And he continues a run of being very good against the Wizards as well. They don't really have anybody who can guard him. Pascal is like a very fun player in that... You know, there are certain teams that you just know they don't have the personnel, and it's very exciting when those teams come around on the schedule. I usually think about the Utah Jazz, save for that last game. Usually think about the Atlanta Hawks. They usually uh, have a trouble, you know, hard time stopping Siakam. And the Wizards, of course, have been meat for Siakam in recent years. I think he had a 40-point game against them last season and has been pretty consistently great. And he was awesome again last night for a Raptors team that really needed it. The first half, just an absolute uh, blitzing of the Wizards. <laughs> the 63 342 in the first half to give 12 first quarter points and I guess we should just talk about where Siakam is right now in terms of his development in terms of the way he's coming along you know he's now played 13 games last night Alvin Williams was talking on the broadcast like he's been back now for about as long as a regular training camp is and now you should probably start to see him kind of rounding into form and we are again rattle through the numbers over the last eight games and He just seems more comfortable, and he seems like a more complete player this year than he has been in seasons past as well. You know, what's the big criticism been of Siakam over the years, and and what have people really, like, harped on, even though it's probably unwarranted? It's the spin move. It's, oh, he's only got the spin move. He's got the one move. That's not the case anymore because he is a mid-range, like, heaving, incredible player at this point. So far this season, he has been putting up 17, nearly 18% of his shots from between the 16-foot and 3-point Mar- marker, uh, 16 foot to three point range, that that little long mid range area. Uh, again, 18% of his shots coming from there, by far a career high from hit for him, the most since his rookie season, where 14% of his shots came from there. Uh, he's shooting 45.7%, again, a career high from that distance for Pascal Siakam. And, you know, again, the whole thing oh, well, he's only got the spin move, he's got no, no other bag. Well, guess what? This is the counter to the spin move. And when the spin move gets walled off, and when opposing defenses pack the paint against him, which has been a regular occurrence last year and this season, particularly when guys are out of the lineup and there's not a ton of space, Siakam has needed to find a counter to that because the spin move into three guys just doesn't work, and he's doing it now. That mid-range shot that he's going to, the little step back he has, it's a great little weapon, and eventually in time, if he keeps hitting it at this pace, again, 45.7% on 17 or 17.8% of his total looks this season, per basketball reference, if he keeps that up, That's only going to make it that much more easy for him to get back to the rim, where, again, he's been very good, as you might typically expect. He's shooting fewer shots from inside three feet than he has in his entire career. Just 21% of his shots are coming from there so far. But again, you think about the defenses he's played, the fact that there have been not a lot of guys on the floor who he can play off of and things like that. It makes a lot of sense that he's not getting to the rim quite as much. But as that mid-range shot becomes more of a threat, I bet there'll be a pump fake he can use in there, get defenders on their toes. 
it won't be so much of, all right, just wall off the paint and hope that keeps him out of the range where he's doing damage type of thing because he's doing damage from the mid-range now. Um, you know, obviously that opens up a lot of other things too. If defenders are coming out to stop from the mid-range, there's going to be cutters, there's going to be available space underneath. Siakam has proven himself very good at making those sort of interior passes to guys cutting baseline or guys in the dunker spot. Him and Scotty Barnes, of course, have a very good chemistry there. It's all coming together right now for Pascal Siakam. Not to mention on defense, he's been fantastic as well of late. His help defense is as good as anybody on the Raptors, and that makes a lot of sense considering the peak of the Raptors' defense in the last few years here have come, or the peaks, that is, have come when Pascal has been at his very best and when he's been his sort of rangy, moving all over the place, covering so much ground you can't even really fathom that he's doing it in a single possession, and he's doing that. And you're seeing the entire defense kind of come into shape around him as well. We'll talk about Scotty Barnes in a little bit and how he's kind of co- coalesced and become a better defender here. We'll talk just about how Yuta Watanabe has been an enormous help too, but Siakam all told has been just really, really kind of coming along here, refining his game, and it gets you really excited for when they get Kem Birch back, for when they get in particular OG Ananobi back. This full complement of players learning how to play defense finally and kind of getting the ropes down. OG and Kem are probably the two guys I'm least worried about having like chemistry issues on defense coming back in. They both can kind of just plug and play, you would think. They've been playing in Nick Nurse's defense all season long as well, so it hopefully isn't too much of an adjustment period, and they don't have, like, the Scotty Barnes syndrome where he's 20 years old and he's a rookie and he learns things and, you know, has mistakes and all that stuff. It's very different, and so... I'm pretty eager to see what happens once OG's back in the lineup and how the extra sort of threat that he brings offensively, the extra you know ball handling that he provides, all of that helps Siakam find even more space than he's been able to cultivate for himself so far. And even through not having a ton of space to work, he's been quite good, as good as we've seen him, frankly, in a couple years. And so... You know, shout out to Pascal Siakam. Loving to see how he's coming along. And it's just kind of in line with the rest of the team falling into place as well. And I've had this theory over the years, this season in particular, basically since Nick Nurse came around, I suppose, that you give Nick Nurse four, five, six games with basically the same group of players, and eventually they're going to get it together and win some games. It's really kind of like clockwork at this point. And lo and behold, they've won two games here. As we spoke with Louis Zatzman on Friday about, uh, you know, we, we talked about how the results were starting to catch up and, you know, meet the, the process. The process has been pretty good for, you know, about a week and a half now. The wins have finally caught up in the last two games here, and it seems as though they're in line to continue winning games as well, as they have the Thunder on Wednesday, their garbage, the Knicks on Friday, their frauds, and then the Kings next Monday as the games to close out this homestand. There's a very real chance they close this homestand five and two and close it on a five game winning streak and are back above 500 before you could even blink an eye it's very exciting stuff and all of it is kind of centered around Pascal Siakam finding his comfort but the rest of the team kind of figuring things out on the defensive end too has been absolutely incredible so we're going to get into that uh, talk about where the defense has improved and some guys who might be responsible run through the box score and hit on some thoughts on some various guys as well from the Wizards game that'll come up in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. They have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. It really is daily fantasy made 
easy. You can offer any, any, any sorry, excuse me, prize picks offers any prop you can think of from points, rebounds, steals, uh, you know, three pointers made, whatever it might be. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So you put in $100, you put in that code NBA, all of a sudden, boom, $200 in your account. That's an incredible deal. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. You can uh, do mixed sport entries as well. So if you want to put some uh, you know, the thought into put, taking the over on LeBron James or Fred Van Vliet or whatever it might be, and then also have like a football uh, DFS pick in there as well, you can absolutely do that. Prize picks is safe and offers fast cash withdrawals as well. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA and go to your app store to download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you've got uh, sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the really good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment into one place without the hassle, and that is Direct TV Stream. you got to get your TV together, baby. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movie shows all in one place. No more flipping between between CBC Gem for uh, Great Canadian Baking Show, Crave for Succession, and then uh, whatever you're watching the basketball game on. I'm speaking of Canadian apps, of course. This is an American company with American apps that are up in the comparison spot here. But either way, you get my point. You don't have to switch between. You don't have to buy another remote ever again and not another device. You're not handling seven remotes in your living room, figuring out which one have I lost in the couch. Oh, no, I've lost this one. This is terrible. Don't worry about it anymore because DirecTV Stream gets rid of all the clutter and the confusion, and you get your TV put together. And also, there's no annual contract, which is the best part of it all. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And a reminder that this is only available to our dear friends in the United States. All right, let's continue on here with some box score notes going around the Raptors game against the Wizards. Again, a 102-90 win, and thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Apologies, this one's a little bit later on. I was at a Christmas thing uh, last night with some family and didn't catch the game till this morning, so that explains the delayed posting of the show, but I appreciate you holding out to have your first podcast listen of the day until right now. Um, let's get to it. Run through some guys and some thoughts here. Uh, Back to the defense conversation. You know how the defense has been a lot better lately. Over the last six games, it is up to 10th in the NBA in terms of points allowed per 100 possessions. Over the last five games, it's 7th at just 106.1 points allowed per 100 possessions. Obviously, pretty small samples here, but within the context of a 24-game sample or whatever it is, it's still a pretty substantial chunk of the season at this point. It's almost a quarter of the season the last six games are. Exactly. It's exactly a quarter of the season. Math, baby. Uh, And that's been a nice turnaround that we've seen here. And again, that kind of goes to the point of they know each other. They're playing with each other for an extended period of time. Nick Nurse has the same group. And also, it seems like practice has been a really big thing for this team as well. Chris Boucher has talked about it. I think Pascal Siakam's talked about it as well. They're practicing more on this homestand right now than they have in, like, literally years. There was no time to practice last year with the crazy compressed COVID schedule. The fact that they were practicing in a ballroom in Tampa Bay probably didn't help matters much there either. The year before was the shortened uh, season as well with the bubble and all that stuff. Not a ton of practice time in the bubble, of course, and a very quick turnaround. And then 
the season leading up to it before the shutdown, that was an old team, a, a defending champion team. There were a lot of injuries. They were not practicing a ton either because they were old and weary and just trying to protect those uh, like weary legs for game time. The season prior, of course, is the Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we're just going to practice whenever the hell we want, which was never <laughs> because they were constantly load managing. They were constantly just kind of working that whole thing together. There wasn't a ton of practice time that year. It really probably goes back to like 2017-18 that the Raptors were able to practice this much, which is incredible. And also not surprising that it's coincided with the time that we're seeing the defense become a little bit more second nature to these guys. And I think that really, you know, Amy Audibert was talking about this, I believe, on the broadcast too, just about how much of a change that is and how important it is that they've gotten that chance to work together and just kind of learn one another without it being under the sort of pressure and the bell of a game. So that's a big thing here too. Some individual guys have had a big impact as well. Yuta Watanabe, his return six games ago, five games ago, really seems to be like the thing that flipped the switch. It's not just Yuta. He's not like the defensive player of the year or anything like that, but he is so damn good at role player shit. Just really good at filling the gaps on offense. Obviously, the catch-and-shoot threes. He's a great passer. He sees those, like, next plays really well. It's kind of what you wish Patrick Patterson could have been back in the day because he does all the other role-player stuff really well, plus he passes really nicely. But on the defensive end of the floor, he just does everything that you want from a guy playing in a Nick Nurse defense. He covers a ton of ground. He's incredibly smart. He communicates well. He knows where to be, knows where to stand, which we've talked about a lot. Knowing where to stand is like half the battle in NBA defense. And Utah just gives another option for Nick Nurse to know that there's a good defender on the floor when he sticks him out there. There's, there's no question about it. There's no, oh, is he going to have an off night tonight? Or his rotation's going to be a step slow? Does he know what we're doing out there? None of that applies for Yuta Watanabe. He's just a damn good defensive player who does everything to fill the gaps that the Raptors need. And he's huge, too. He's six foot nine. He fits exactly the vision this team wants. And frankly, when you look at Utah and you look at the rest of the roster... This might sound like a crazy hot take, but he, to me, is like the seventh best player on this team. You got your main five, of course, in your Siakam, uh, OG, Barnes, Van Vliet, and Trent. You got Kem Birch, and then I'm pretty sure Yuta Watanabe is the next guy I would take. If I was doing like a schoolyard draft of Raptors players to join my dodgeball team or basketball team, I would be taking Yuta Watanabe number seven. I, I, I think he's that effective, that important. He should be playing more, frankly. He's only played, you know, in the teens and minutes a lot of these games. He should be in, like, the 20-minute-plus range, I think, for this team every single night. He's that reliable and that effective. And when he's been on the floor, he's been outstanding. He's just been absolutely incredible in terms of driving winning, driving positive play, over the last six games uh, since he returned, he's only played five of them, obviously, but he has an on-court net rating of plus 15.6, 110.1 offensive, 94.5 defensive rating. Again, that's just 84 minutes. It's all small sample size theater here, but he very clearly has a positive, tangible impact on the team when he's on the floor, and he was awesome last night. Again, very modest, just seven points, hit one of two threes, uh, only the two boards and one assist, but he was a plus 16, and whenever he's on the floor, good things seem to happen. 
happen. There's connectivity. The play moves along because it's not getting stuck in his fingers where he doesn't know what to do with it. He's helping the, the offense kind of grease the wheels. Love Yuta Watanabe. He is uh, like perennial due to the game contender. Did not get it today, but very much was in the conversation. Also in the conversation, Scotty Barnes, who had himself a pretty quiet offensive game, just 11 points, just one assist, five of si- 10 from the field, uh, didn't hit either of his two threes. But to me, the thing with Scotty Barnes, if you're thinking over the last six games, what's changed for the Raptors defense the most? I would say Scotty Barnes is number one in what's changed the most. He just seems to know where to be now. He knows where to make those rotations, where not to get sort of hung up. He's been better on the ball as well. There are still mistakes here and there. There are still, oh, there's Bradley Beal in a corner, and I'm not actually going to run out to him, even though I'm pretty sure he's my guy. There have been a few moments like that throughout these last few games. But overall, you're not seeing him do the Matt Thomas chicken with the head cut off thing anymore. He seems to know where he's supposed to be, where he's filling in for the help, uh, you know, where, where he's helping the helper, that type of thing. He just has it sort of more innately within his basketball brain now. And I'm beginning to just have a theory about Scotty Barnes that he just learns how to do things faster than most people, and that might be his biggest NBA strength. Like, think about the three-point shooting. It's like, oh yeah, Scotty, you want to learn how to shoot threes? We'll just let you go, 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 bombs away. Put as many threes up as you want. All of a sudden, he's shooting 38% from three, and he's knocking them down, and it looks like a very clean and pure shot. It's, hey, Scotty, go score more. Okay, I'll go score 25 points and, you know, put up mid-range shots and score from all around the basket. Scotty, go play defense better. Okay, I'll, I'll, it's, it's a difficult defense. I'm getting there. I'll learn it, but eventually I will. He just seems to be like this kind of supercomputer basketball player who can learn how to do things pretty quickly and then apply it on the floor. It's a really remarkable thing. It might just be an early theory that doesn't actually pan out, but from what I've seen... I'm kind of getting the sense that Scotty Barnes just learns how to do stuff a lot faster than the average NBA player, which is an enormous asset. And his defense lately, his help defense, you know, he's been a kind of a menace as a rim protector. Really, really enjoyed watching what he's done on that end of the floor as his offense continues to be very fun and cool. Didn't have the takeover, as you might have expected in the typical third quarter for the Raptors, although they were up 21 at halftime, so it wasn't really called for. Maybe glad he didn't have to expend all that much energy, but uh, yeah, Scotty Barnes doing some really beautiful stuff defensively lately. It's been a really nice thing to see. Some other quick hitters from the rest of the roster as we go around before we get to the dude of the game. Uh, not terribly worried about Gary Trent Jr. A couple of games back, he's not shooting super well. Hot and cold, it happens for heat check guys from time to time. I don't think it's too much cause for alarm. The fact that they've won the last two games where he shot horribly kind of give me some hope that once he is shooting well, this offense could really kind of take off. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, pretty quiet game for him against the Wizards as well. Didn't have to do a whole bunch. You know, Siakam kind of took on the burden of carrying the day in the first half. And after that, it was kind of cruise control from there. And actually, it was kind of nice to see Fred Van Vliet not have to do everything over the course of an entire game. Uh, 4 of 12 from the field, just 33 minutes played, which has to be some kind of season low for Fred Van Vliet. That, I think, is honestly the most important number from this game is that uh, 33 minutes played. Um, Delano Banton thought he was pretty fun. Uh, six assists in this one. His passing is hilarious. He's just a delight. He, he, can, he makes passes in space. He makes passes in close quarters. He makes passes while looking at his guy. He makes passes while not looking at his guy. He's very cool. Uh, the offense, we'll see. You know, he had hit a three last night. That was nice to see. Um, he had a bit of a rough go in his G League performance earlier over the weekend as well. Uh, you know, it's going to be up and down with him. His offense is not really quite there in terms of the scoring side of things, but the playmaking is there for sure. The basketball intelligence is there. Sort of the cutting and everything he does is wonderful. Uh, love myself some Delano Banton. He was also on the short list for due to the game in this one. Will not quite 
get it, however. Uh, and that's because we do have our due to the game coming up in just a second here. We are going to dive into the first time due to the game winner for uh, coming up in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar is filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. You get a ton of flavors to work with as well. Uh, you know, all sorts of things from mint brownie to cherry to double chocolate cookies and cream. There's a flavor for everybody. It gives you that extra fuel you need as well to go uh, holiday shopping or go to the 9 million parties you got to go to. Sometimes you forget to eat. Sometimes you're saving yourself for the spread that's going to be at the party. Now, that's what I was doing yesterday. But guess what? I had a built bar in the afternoon to, to hold me over, take this to, to satiate me until I could eat all the cured meats I wanted to. And as, as well, uh, people are very passionate about their favorite flavor. Don't Get, like getting a fight with people over them. It's a very controversial thing. Built Bar Internet is crazy with the debates over the favorite flavors. Uh, and you know what? You can tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in your stockings as well. It's a very wonderful stocking stuffer. Gip? Gip? Gift. Uh, <laughs> also, if you want to cozy up with something warm, here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Apparently, that's a wonderful thing. I haven't tried it yet, but I will have to go and do that now. Especially now they have marshmallowy treats for the holidays too. Seems like a perfect thing to dip in your hot cocoa. Uh, you've got the lovely, uh, delicious flavors, all marshmallow puffy-like. It's a different uh, kind of texture and, and flavor and all that, but it is also extremely delicious if you are a marshmallow person. Go to BuiltBar.com. Sorry, that is Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com to get 15% off your order. Go there now! And today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, who have you covered with all uh, the more props and odds and lines than ever before for this football season. As it winds down, it continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 one season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts all right let's round the show out with the dude of the game shall we and today we have a first time dude of the game winner it's all very exciting as i try to make the graphic here and i'm having a very difficult time so bear with me your dude of the game winner for the first time this season it's been a maligned year it is chris boucher here he is, Chris Boucher. Congratulations to Chris Boucher on his first due to the game win. Last night, 14 points off the bench, six boards, five of seven from the field, and a plus 12 for the Raptors. And the thing that really excited me about Chris Boucher in this game is that he was playing like team basketball and not just kind of doing the glorified shooting guard thing that he tends to do. Like Chris Boucher has his perks, his value, all that stuff. But the thing that's always kind of driven me nuts about him is that he is basically a catch-and-shoot two-guard in the frame of a hypothetical big man. And he just, he doesn't really do a lot in terms of 
cutting and you know smart team plays making the next play you know with his playmaking and stuff like that I don't think he's ever really going to be a passer but he did some things last night that were kind of new for Chris Boucher in terms of cutting and finding easy buckets you know Delano Banton found him a couple times for example Siakam found him once just kind of seeping into the areas where the defense is not and making good on it and it's an interesting thing because he, in theory, should be pretty good at it. He's got a good timing down for, say, offensive rebounds. That's also kind of cutting, right? It's kind of picking your moment, finding the right lane to go, and then hopefully slamming it back. He has that sort of in him, and he's never really done it before. And it's only one game. It might not be a thing that he continues on, but he certainly deserves to get the due-to-the-game nom for his play against the Wizards. And, you know, it was just a really encouraging thing to see. You know, we've kind of gone back and forth this season on how many effective bench guys do the Raptors have. Is it three? Is it one? Is it six? Like, it's been kind of an oscillation. I think if Chris Boucher can play like this in his minutes where maybe he's not being relied upon as like a first sub or anything like that, but if he can be reliable enough to not be like a a horrifying sub decision when Nick Nurse has to go to the bench, that I think is enough because there is enough in terms of front court depth between Yuta Watanabe, Precious Achua, who's playing really well the last little while, especially on defense, uh, and then you factor in Kem Birch as well. There's a lot of front court depth here, and you don't need Chris Boucher to be like your savior or anything like that, but if he can come in as your 11th or 12th man and put up 14 points, that is enormous. And, and you know, Nick Nurse has seemingly gone with Boucher a little bit more these last couple of games. 18 minutes against the Wizards last night. He played a little bit. He was the first sub, actually, on uh, Thursday as well against the Bucks too. So maybe he's kind of emerging from Nick Nurse's doghouse a little bit here. Either way, Chris Boucher is your due to the game. Very well-deserved. And now I'm questioning whether he actually is this, is it fits his first time due to the game win? Uh, yeah, it was. I'm not. I'm not crazy. That was his first due to the game win of the season. Congratulations to him. Before we get out of here, though, before we wrap up, I just want to sort of offer a thought and kind of a question to the listeners out there as well. You can answer in the comments for sure. Uh, I'll put a little question in the community tab as well. Watching the Wizards last night. I don't buy the Wizards. I think the Wizards are frauds. As their their owner, Ted Leonsis' favorite band, is named, they're Fugazis. Is, uh, and shout out to Joseph Cacharo as well, our friend from Pound the Rock, who likes to use Fugazi as a term for fake-ass basketball teams. I think that applies to the Washington Wizards. I do not think the Wizards are that good. Bradley Beal has been really rough this season, and they've been good nonetheless in one games. I guess that's the sort of counter-argument to this, but... Maybe Bradley Beal just isn't that great of like a wind-driving player. Have we thought about this? I don't know. I know they've made the playoffs and been a 40-ish win team sometimes during his run, but I don't ever come away from a Raptors-Wizards game feeling terribly impressed by Bradley Beal. He is the king of hitting a three when the team is down by 11 to make it eight in the middle of the third quarter, and eventually they don't end up coming back. That's my experience of Bradley Beal, at least. Yes, there have been playoffs, you know, the, the sweep back in 15 and all that stuff, but for me, overwhelmingly, I feel myself wanting more whenever I watch Bradley Beal play. The rest of this team does not impress me at all. Spencer Dinwiddie does not look right. I don't know what's going on there. Wizards fans are like already ready to sort of have like a full coup when it comes to Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, you know, I just don't trust Montrez Harrell as a guy who is going to like uphold winning basketball long term. He's a great, fun, high energy guy. The postseason, I don't think you really want him being one of your key contributors. And I, I just I don't totally buy it with him. Kyle Kuzma's fine. He's very, very erratic offensively. His defense has been nice. I just don't love this team. It's kind of a collection of guys who are meh, fine, meh, whatever. And I would actually put money right now if I could on 
the Raptors finishing ahead of the Wizards. I think the Raptors are a better team. I think they're better coached. I think their defense has significantly higher upside than the Wizards does. And I think their offenses can be basically the same. I just, I've come away very unenthused anytime I've seen the Wizards play so far this season, whether it's against the Raptors or not. Yes, they looked pretty good in that first game of the season, but also they scored 98 points against a Raptors team that was an absolute disaster uh, during most of that game. So I don't really know how impressive that was. Um, when it comes to, you know, the, the rest of the Eastern Conference as well, I think there are other teams you can kind of look at and say, all right, the Raptors are winning some games now. They've rattled off a few. They seem like they're kind of finding their shape a little bit. I think the Knicks got to be worried about the Raptors for sure. I think the Knicks and Wizards, if I had to bet two teams that the Raptors are going to pass by season's end to get into the play-in, those would be my two. I would also maybe put the Hornets and their horrible defense on that short list as well. And even like the Celtics continue to be very, very unimpressive. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's out of the question that the Raptors finish ahead of them. That said, Wizards and Knicks, I feel quite good about. You can put it in paint or pencil or pen, whatever hell you want to do as like an official prediction of mine right now that the Raptors finish ahead of both of those teams. They're just more complete. They have better players. Pascal Siakam, I think, is better than Julius Randle and everybody else the Knicks have. You know, Beal Siakam is an interesting one. Siakam's been absolutely better so far this season than Beal has been, though. Plus, you've got OG and Fred Van Vliet, who might have been the best player of the bunch between those three teams so far this year. I feel pretty good about where the Raptors are headed right now. They've still got a lot of home cooking to eat over the next month here as they continue to just sort of feast on this home schedule. And I think they are very much in line for a bit of a climb up the standings here as those two teams feel to me like the frailest and weakest of that sort of Eastern Conference cluster from two all the way down to 12. It's kind of insane, but um, that's my thought right there. I just wanted to close off with that closing uh, argument against the Wizards and Knicks. Uh, for you, the listeners out there, do you think there is a team the Raptors are likely to pass multiple teams like the Raptors are likely to pass as they look for the play-in spot. I think it's uh, very clearly those two teams, but if there's someone else in there I'm not thinking of or giving enough credit or I'm giving too much credit to, please feel free to fire away in the comments. With that, we will wrap up today's episode of the show. Thank you so much. I feel like I was shot out of a cannon today. It's nice to talk about a team that's winning games again. Nice to watch a good Pascal Siakam game and all that stuff. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Vivek Jacob's going to pop on. We're going to have sort of a more big picture talk about the Raptors and where they stand going forward. Uh, lots of other fun stuff planned this week. Of course, they take on on Wednesday, the Oklahoma City Thunder. That should be an easy win because the Thunder are an embarrassing dirt franchise. And then they'll take on the Knicks on Friday. Lots of preview, lots of recap, lots of in-between coming up on this week's slate of shows. Uh, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, all that good stuff. Always appreciated when you support the show. Subscribe on YouTube as well. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd as Josh is the very best in the whole biz at making it so you know what you to do and win your fantasy leagues. He is just a genius when it comes to that stuff. You should definitely go and check out Josh's stuff. He is also on YouTube. He might be like a promoted video right next to me right now on YouTube. So go and check him out. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 